Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm Steve. And this week we are looking at Season 6, Episode 7, How to Bury a Millionaire, in which Niles must reassess his finances and living arrangements in the wake of his divorce from Maris. Steve, bit of a strange domestic double barrel question for you here. Do you enjoy toast? And do you enjoy ironing? Because both make a principled appearance in the Shangri-La um, well, ironing, I try not to do, but obviously if I have to wear a shirt or smart trousers in, yes, I do have to use the iron. I'll just pull out the guest bed and uh, use that. <laughs> um, and as for toast, I've actually only got a two-slice toaster, so I cannot, I can't actually keep a spare set, a spare slice, sorry, for guests or make a club sandwich. So, um, but I do really enjoy toast. Uh, nice hot with uh, butter on it is oh. a perfect start to my day occasionally. So. Have you never been tempted to get a four-slice toaster? Is that, is that a bit too luxurious? I did once have a four-slice toaster, but Elle doesn't really eat much toast, so I never really need more than two slices. Like I say, I don't have guests over for breakfast very often. I mean, so. get, get me over for a club sandwich, and uh, <laughs> things could be different. But yeah, we, we have a four-slice because Charles, as people will know, is gluten-free, so we can have two slices that are non-contaminated by my gluten-y bread, and then two for the normal bread, um, <laughs> which works quite well. I, I despise ironing. I think I've talked about this on the pod before. I've had to do a lot of it since moving out and starting, you know, work. And um, it's it's bottom of the barrel chores for me. It's I'd rather good. I'd rather clean the bathroom three times than do than iron three shirts. In that case, send your ironing down here and come and clean my bathroom when you collect it. <laughs> <laughs> with with pleasure, with pleasure. <laughs> Um, shall we check ourselves into Trivia Corner this week before we get into the review? Hopefully this is the Shangri-La of Trivia Corner and not the uh, Montana of Trivia Corner, which it has been well, so let's here's see hoping. what happens. <laughs> let's, let's, here's hoping the Trivia Pinball Machine has been rigged to its free games all night for Steve. Um, our opening question from our boy down under. Um, it says, actually, it says it's from the, the scary hippopotamus. Um, I believe they have got a new trivia mark, a, 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 a trivia uh, member. So that may have, be that. I, may think be that this, I think this is them. How many times do we see Niles spit when he's preparing for bed? Do we see S- him spit? We, I think we hear him, don't we? We hear um, him spit. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a massive random guess and just say thirteen. 
It's nine, but both I I would have I would have guessed like three. I didn't realize he does it so much. Yeah, no, it's it's quite a few times, but yeah, I mean that's I just randomly plucked that. There was no way of me working out any kind of method of knowing how many well, times he does that. Either way, it's uh, it's a better guess than I'd have landed. <laughs> Fun um, question though. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, second question from Scary Hippopotamus: uh, What movie did Michael McShane, who played Frank, star in alongside Kevin Costner? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He plays Friar Tuck. Yes, he does. It's Robin Hood, Prince of <laughs> Great film. Great. Film. Absolutely epic film. I love it. Yeah, so good. Uh, Martin says to Niles, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Niles replies with, yeah, but not everyone makes it in that second group. I have the blank to prove it. Oh, um, good question here. Is it I have the shirt, the hula shirt to prove it? Or oh, you, I'm going to give you half a point. It's the luau shirt. Luau. <laughs> um, either way, a Hawaiian word. Um, that's, yeah, or Polynesian. Um, from Cam Winston, what colour are the buttons on Nas's blue shirt in the Shangri-La? Bonus, what side of his shirt has the large palm trees? I'm going to say white and left. It is black and left. <laughs> black and left. <clears throat> As he's wearing it, that is. Uh, more trivia for Hadderbury Millionaire comes from Niall Crane, who asks, the bed Frank folds out of the wall at the Shangri-La is nicknamed a Murphy bed. Do you know who it was, who, who that Murphy is that it's named after? Well, it's going to be very unlikely that it's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I mean, make that your guess, please. Um... I, it's not going to be it's not going to be the actor Killian Murphy. Either. I'm going to go with Eddie Murphy. Name that bed. I don't know. It's. I mean, this is a very, very, very hard question. Uh, William Lawrence Murphy, an Irish immigrant in New York, who wanted to find a creative method of making space in his apartment. He received his first patent for the bed, or patent for our American cousins, uh, in 1912, and another in 1916. Uh, trivia from Little Bobby Briscoe. At the Shangri-La with Fraser and Martin, Niles is about to call Maris to beg her to take him back. When dialing, he lists three rigid demands he used to make of her. What are they? Oh, my God. Um, three demands he made of her? I th think so. You've literally just baffled me. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> It oh, is. <laughs> do, you, do you want to have a guess, or are you tapping out? No, I, I literally. That's just uh, mine's gone completely blank. No idea at all. So it is eat something, unlock this door, and don't oh, throw that. Of course, of course, of course. That good stuff. Uh, more trivia. Run for your life. Says Nas obviously stays at the Shangri-La apartments, but what is the meaning of Shangri-La? <laughs> I'm getting grilled. This is the Montana level, not the Shangri-La. This is definitely Montana um, level. I do not know what the uh, phrase or wording of Shangri-La stands for. Shangri-La is a fictional place in Tibet's Kunlun Mountains, described in the 1933 novel Lost Horizon by English author James Hilton. Did, uh, you, did you know that? I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> okay. I absolutely didn't know. I'd, I'd have known that it was some kind of, yeah, maybe some kind of spiritual place from, from fiction or culture. I thought it was probably related to kind of uh, an, an Eastern religion's paradise hmm. or something. I didn't yeah. know it was from a, from a, a fiction uh, novel, but there we go. Your question for me, Stephen. I have three for you. Um, mm. Number one, when Niles tells Martin to poke Mrs. Dalloway on the bottom, which book is he referring to and who wrote that novel? He is referring to Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. 
Do you want to take a guess at what year it was first published? I think it was 1922. No, 2020. No, 25. Ah! <laughs> Could have gone two Damn. or three years up instead of down. Damn it. But to be fair, known as a 1920s novel, I, I expect you would know that. But um, yeah, no, very well done. Um, question two doesn't technically come from our dear friend John Beale, but he did mention this when I mentioned what episode we were recording. So I will credit him with kind of coming up with this uh, this question quickly. The episode title, How to Bury a Millionaire, is a play on the title of which 1953 movie musical starring Marilyn Monroe? Oh, I, I should know this. Um, I'm going to guess how to marry a millionaire. Correct, sir. Oh my Spot god! On. That'll Spot do. On. That'll do. Uh, the last one is tricky, but it is part of it shown and part of it, as in said, and part of it is shown visually. What is Niles's new address? Oh. he tells Maris on the phone, but the yes. uh, so the so the door number is only visible when they walk in. But the actual address he does say to Maris on the phone. Oh no! I'm going to have a complete guess and say, twenty uh, one Park Lane, the Shangri La. <laughs> it is sixty two Elm Street, Shangri La Apartments, and you see the door number is number eight. Oh. <laughs> that's a, a good, good question. You got two out of three there. That's a that's a great bad. question, though. I love that one. Um, oh, Corey's first question for you: What is Niles's new street address and apartment <laughs> number? I'm going to with 62 Elm Street, <laughs> apartment number eight. Thanks, Corey. Absolutely <laughs> correct. I, I'm so so sorry, uh, Corey. Uh, can Steve redescribe all the details Fraser tried to trap Niles with when he described the Chevron station? Uh, it's on. Crawford and Pike. Yes, it is. It's got two flags outside. It does. Um, something blue. Something's blue. Is it got blue and white frontage or something like that? White and white house is blue trim. I'll accept that absolutely. How many of my supposed to be going for? That's three, it's isn't one it? One more. It's about um, spatial placement. Right. It's right next to a. I don't know what it's next to. <laughs> it is right next to a market. That's a bloody That's good it. go at that question, that is. That's uh, tough. And, and last but not least, the Trivia Corner this week. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for sending them across. Uh, what is significant about the year of the wine that Nars puts on the shopping list? It's not available for another two years or something so that in the show that's what's significant about it but there's a little bit more of a slightly clever meta reason for why it's significant well because niles puts it on the shopping list doesn't he but i can't um no i don't know so it's a night <laughs> it's a 93 which is the year fraser premiered um ah, very clever thankfully very clever. Uh, Corey says we didn't have to wait another two years for this show to become drinkable. <laughs> uh, no, we certainly didn't. Very good indeed. Thank you all so much for your questions. They make our week, so please keep them coming. And if indeed you would like to get involved, sending in some trivia as well, then find us on Instagram or uh, Facebook um, and kind of just drop a comment and we will get you posted into the relevant chat and you can test us each week. Um, now, my notes for this for this week's episode, as are yours, 
this is this is a bit of a last minute episode. Um, they're a bit sparse, so we're doing that. We did, this episode's probably going to run a little bit shorter. I am a little bit hungover. People can hear my voice is very gravelly and 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 hoarse. Um, but we're going to give it a bloody good go, starting with Franny's fish and chips. Um, that's actually what I wrote down, Franny. And do you know what I had for dinner tonight? Cod and chips from the did local. Did you? Kitchen. I did indeed. From your from your local. <laughs> Well, um, living in a village in the middle of nowhere, they actually have a fish and chip van which arrives in the village between four and eight on every Sunday and um, they cook it in the back of the van. Not like a transit van. I mean, an actual fish and chip designed truck. <laughs> Just yeah. random people in a van. Um, <laughs> Was but, it nice? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? The first time, it is very nice, but the first hundred people or the first hundred orders every Sunday get it half price. So it normally costs £10 for cod and chips and they do it for £10 for two if you're uh, one of the first hundred people there to get it. So that's how good ins- is that? That's insane. And <laughs> and one, I'm, and two, I'm amazed that more than a hundred people go to this thing. There's, I think, 1,500 uh, people in the village. So I mean, it's quite a big village in, in some respects, 1,500 residents. But yeah, I mean, you'll probably find there's a good queue. Over over four hours, at least, we have a couple of hundred people go down there for that. It's like a big wow. thing. Like Everyone in the village is like, when's the chip van getting here? Does anyone know if they've run out of cod yet? Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's a big deal. I, is, that a, is that a Sunday <laughs> weekly ritual for you? Yep. Every, well, no, not for us. We we went to a dog show today, so I've actually been in. Uh, I've been in a place called Weedon in Northamptonshire. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, un- unlike you, I'm not hungover. I've just been driving across the country to uh, have wine and Christmas cake with a load of dog friends. So uh, nice. nice, yeah. But it's nice to come home and have something like that, literally on your doorstep. It's like sort of yeah. two minute walk away from the house, so it's nice. So. Excellent. That sounds very nice indeed. Um, we see Martin and Fraser driving, of course, which is always nice to have the have the boys in the car. It is. Uh, and Niall spotted in a hatchback um, or something called a hunch a hunchback. Um, <laughs> as I, I think, I don't know if that's in a previous or later to come episode. I can never remember. Um, how are you at parallel parking, Steve? Because Niles has hurt his he's hurt his arm when they uh, they get back to Montana after pursuing him in the car, and he admits, "Yes, I'm driving this piece of s." But uh, he's got a bad shoulder from parallel parking without power steering. How do you find? I uh, I have power steering uh, in my Ford Ranger, which I'm quite pleased about. Um, parallel parking, it can be a trouble only because I'm a little bit longer than a car on a van. I can't so... imagine it's easy for you, p- parallel parking that beast. Well, it's also the fact that I'm higher than a car. So if you're backing into a space and there's a car behind you, you have to kind of look out the door occasionally because the car disappears because I'm taller. So I can see out my rear view, but I can't actually see where the car is. Mm. And relying on sensors sometimes isn't the best thing in the world because, let's face it, they just beep all the time. Um, You know, a cat walks past and they beep like you're going to hit something. Um, Yeah, parallel parking. I mean, I did actually own a – I owned an old Mercedes van when I was – touring with the band and that had no power steering and it actually used to take two of us to uh, turn the steering wheel on a three-ton uh mercedes sprinter literally one of us would push the steering wheel up and the other one would pull it down in the driving seat so you could literally turn the wheels when you're not you're not moving very quickly sure it was fine but yes never never try and parallel park a three-ton van when it's like a j-ridge and it's no power steering it is not fine it takes you back to the time when i didn't have power steering in cars um, you don't realise how good power steering is until you don't have it. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine what that must have looked like, some kind of clown mobile. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's horrible. A really, really strange line delivery in in, Mon- in the Montana now, which always kind of grinds my gears. After the the kind of j- the joke about the Noel Coward pen, 
Um, Fraser says you might have to forego antique, you know, stationery or, or, or antique pens. And then Niles is like, can we at least for, uh, review my list before we make any drastic decisions? That's a really funny line because he's responding to the fact that obviously a drastic decision to not buy a pen is is not drastic at all. <laughs> but there's there's no laugh track, not even a slight hint that the audience were told that's a joke or that the audience were told to laugh. Yeah. And it feels like a massive mistake in the script to me. It doesn't feel like the line isn't meant to be funny. It feels like a production error. I think sometimes when there's not so much of a laugh uh, or or in that case, an absence of a laugh, sometimes I do wonder if it takes, I think recently on the one of the reboots, they said that one of the episodes took five and a half hours to make 24 minutes. And you think how many times they've gone over that same sort of patch. Mm. Now, if he does that entrance, if someone keeps mucking up that entrance, they might have read that line 10 times. By the end of that, the audience is probably going, oh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not that funny, but I mean, it's amusing. And you go from guffaws of laughter down to a little tiny titter of laughter. And, you know, it probably wears out. They probably thought that was the best take and just didn't actually edit laughter back in, for example. That's the way I would see something like that. If, if there's a big lack, did it take a lot to get the laughter out of that? And did they just not bother editing something back in? Because... There's a lot of people that are saying about the reboot now. Um, the first couple of episodes, a lot of people said that the laugh track seems very much in your face. It's very, very loud. The thing is, with the first episode, I think people were so enthusiastic to see Frasier back and Kelsey coming out as Frasier again, the laugh was probably amplified. Yeah. People also don't realise now, and I don't know, I shouldn't really talk about the reboot much, but with the reboot, everything's newer. Everything's 30 years progressed so the technology mm. I presume they're using is 30 years better. Do you know what I mean? It's high-definition recording, high-definition mics, high-definition cameras. Go back 30 years, the technology wasn't as good, so therefore the laugh track seems like it's louder. Yeah. That audience is picked up a lot better. And the only thing I can compare it to is, look how this podcast started, look how it is now. Microphones and headphones, etc., make a hell of a difference. And you don't even realize it until you compare the first episode of this podcast to this one you go, wow, the vocals on that sound totally different. Oh, yeah. And so look at 1993 and now look at 2023. That's why my my reason behind sort of why things sound and feel different in the new one compared to the old one. Sorry about that. It was a weird tangent. But that that's the recording process, I presume, is what makes, like I say, a lack of laughter in certain places or too much laughter in certain places. It depends which take they actually edit back into that program to to sort of give us that laughter. So that's, that, yeah. that that would be my my take on that, of how they've recorded it, probably, of, well, of what, no, you, I, what you've picked up on that. I think there's a lot of logic in there. I just, I'd be curious to know if anyone else listening has, has ever watched this episode and thought, that's weird, that's a really funny joke, and hasn't, really been, <laughs> hasn't been doubt it's due, I would say. Um, obviously, some back and forth debating now about whether Nas really needs the Montana, you know, it does have a third floor, but as we it's know, practi Steve... Practically a crawl space. <laughs> practically a crawl space. Um, but Nas does have his pet. Uh, you say your bird requires both a study and a library, uh, which I do think is fantastic. Um, you know, there's no getting away. The Montana's a gorgeous, gorgeous house. But Frazier says you paid that much for rent. It's outrageous. I'd love to know what would be a really high rental figure in Seattle in the 90s? Um, like, what are we thinking he's paying... <laughs> north of 2000 north of 3000 probably north of you know back in the 90s i reckon maybe it's three three and a half that would be massive um i don't know i, 
I can't, I can't put a, literally, I can't pluck a number out of the sky to mm. to think of how much. Not only is he paying, but how much that Fraser actually considers that to be expensive, considering what Fraser must pay to own nineteen oh one. Because I presume yeah. Fraser's mortgaged; he owns that apartment, so I presume he's mortgaged. Because there's no way he bought it outright. Because he came from Boston, mm. being divorced and just moved in there. And I know a lot of people online have gone on about how did Fraser afford this. And the same with Monica and Friends. How did she afford that? Hers is rent controlled. It's her grandmother's. It, they kind of try and explain it. Fraser's, I've always presumed, investments, um, money from the divorce, maybe got a settlement from Lilith that she cheated. Um, you know, it, it's things like that. He had private practice before. He is quite rich. Mm. Um, Niles's money, you know, you think it comes from Maris, but he's divorcing Maris, which is why this episode exists. How much money yeah. did he actually have? I mean... Fraser even says, doesn't he? Speak to your what do your financial advisors say? They they tell me I haven't got the money for this, basically. <laughs> yeah. They say they say I can't even afford to pay them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> which is a great, great gag. Um and the fact it's that his, his salary is not even covering his legal fees as well, which puts into into context, well, one, is his salary as big as we think it is? And two, how much does legal advice truly cost in America? You know, the answer is a lot. Um obviously. In, in in between apartments, he now moves in at 1901, uh, which surprisingly very, very little space in this episode for hijinks between him and Daphne, who are now sharing mm. a, an apartment together, which you'd think is absolute, you know, carte blanche for the writers to basically just do whatever they want in terms of innuendo. But other than him kind of staring at her ass in the kitchen, <laughs> um, it's a very muted display of passions, um, I have to say. I mean, him he's rearranging her stuff in the kitchen. Uh, which would would bother me as well. Um, I'm very I'm very much a person to quote Radiohead, everything in its right place, um, and I don't like things getting messed up. That, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first Radiohead quote in a Fraser-based podcast. I believe. I, I think it might well have been. But I, <laughs> I'll I do use... research. I'll do research. I'll listen to some more. But I think that's the first one. <laughs> are you are you similar in terms of having everything kind of lined where you want it, and 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 kind of getting annoyed when that's disturbed? Yeah, I mean, me and Ella are a bit like that sometimes. I'm sort of a very much put this in that place and she moves it and then I get back and I said, how many times do I have to tell you? I, I, it goes there and she's like, no, it's it doesn't. It goes here because I use it more than you do and that's where I want it. And um, it it's actually valid, makes, a valid argument. Yeah, it, it makes me think of, uh, there's an episode of Red Dwarf where uh, I think it's season eight where Christine Kachansky, Lister's long last love, comes back onto the ship and... Um, He's fancied her for all these seasons and all these episodes. He's always wanted to be with this this girl, Kachansky. And um, when she arrives back, she starts putting, I think it's salad cream or ketchup. I can't remember which one. I think it, it's always salad cream or mayonnaise. She puts it in the fridge. And Crichton, the on, onboard android who looks after Lister prior to her coming back, keeps taking it back out. And they have this ongoing argument of whether salad cream or mayonnaise, whichever it is, does it belong in the fridge or not? And the whole episode, she keeps taking it out and he keeps putting it back in. And they just fall out over that. And it, it kind of reminds me of that, that people have this thing. It's a bit like ketchup. Does ketchup go in the fridge? I keep mine to? in the fridge. But do you uh, need to? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, mayonnaise, because it's eggs. I always think maybe it needs to be there. And some people don't keep their eggs in the fridge. I don't keep eggs in the fridge. I mean, you don't buy them from a fridge department in a grocery store. So no. why do you need to keep... My missus will do it. Elle will bring eggs home. She'll go, they go in the fridge. I go, why? You bought them off a shelf that they weren't in the fridge. Why are you putting them in the fridge? She goes, keep them fresh. I went, if you didn't buy them for another three days, they'd have still been on that shelf in Tesco's. It doesn't matter. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, they're there. 
It's a funny one. It's a funny one. <laughs> um, listeners, where do you keep your eggs, your ketchup, and your salad cream? Get involved and tell us. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite lines from the whole show now, uh, where Niles gets set up in the evening with his four, I think by my last count, his four humidifiers and or sound uh, devices. I'm amazed you can hear anything over there in Mission Control, um, which is just amazing. And as someone who listens, as I've said on the pod a number of times, someone who listens to rain sounds every night without fail and has done for at least 12 to 15 years, I do empathise somewhat with Niles needing to get the conditions just right for slumber. How does the lovely Charles feel about this? I mean, if it's raining outside, she shut the window so you can turn on your rain <laughs> CD. Or is it? She's <laughs> she's surprisingly supportive of it. Um, she is someone who sleeps and is dead to the world, um, which is which is great. I'm mm. I sleep fine, but I'm a very light sleeper. It doesn't take much for me to wake up at all, um, and 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 often I will wake up. But uh, yeah, I just have it on a very low volume on my bedside table, just so it's kind of only really benefiting me. Um, it's more just a psychological thing now. I'm so used to, to sleeping with it on that it's nice to you, just have it there. Do you find at any point if you get up and use the bathroom in the night, Charles made the bed by the time you get back? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, does so it I, thought that line, I thought that line was hilarious. Well, you try having him in your room. I got up to go to the toilet. When I came back, Niles had made my bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so good. Um, Niles kind of emerging out of the bathroom, actually, with those kind of serums on his face. Um, reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen this, is that like billionaire who's trying to reverse the aging process? Um, he's like some massive tech billionaire. Um, the cruel, cruel irony is he he probably looks arguably older than his biological age because of the sheer amount of work that he's been having done and all the st- <laughs> all the stuff that he's trying to do. And, you know, it's crazy. I'm not going to go into some of the details of some of the things he measures, but he has metrics for every aspect of his life. And he does wow. all kinds of crazy things. Fasting, sleeps in a pitch black room with like the perfect, perfect air temperature and quality. And he never, ever goes in that room unless it's expressly to sleep. Um, so his brain only associates the room with sleep. He's just like trying to to, to do the impossible, really, um, because he's got the money and the time to do it. But it's just I a bit that's... weird. That's almost a bit like Niles and Fraser here. You see that Niles has got these, like you said, the humidifiers. He has the perfect sounds. Um, he spends dead on 20 minutes in the bathroom before he goes to his bed. He even does that thing with his arms. He sort of breathes. He goes, <sighs> and you think, do people really do that? Does anyone mm. actually do that? Or is that? Is that trying to show that Niles is quirky? Because I don't believe he's ever mentioned having all these strange, fussy sleep regimes. But then I look at it and go, I wonder if that is actually relaxing. You know, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of people now that say you must get seven hours, at least seven hours sleep every night. Does anyone really get seven hours sleep perfectly every night? Because I, think... I have to get eight, yeah. otherwise well, I feel nauseated. But you are a very good man of routine to have two eggs every morning and go for a run most days as well. So I, 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 That's very kind, <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't ran in a good month or two, Steve, so you've done me a great service there. Well, you might want to cut it down to one egg every day then. I, yeah, I might, I might do. <laughs> um, Frazier's reaction after the bird call absolutely kills me. And again, with the breathing, so there's that one, and then he kind of, <laughs> it, it cuts to him waiting and then 
oh come on like just absolutely <laughs> brilliant i think i think the, the exchange between the two of them at night in fraser's room is my favorite bit of this episode um willie, willie finishes it with the um it's quite clear you've blown a fuse you think that's blowing a fuse wait till you see this or whatever you, and but you hear the pillow being thrown it just has an outburst <laughs> which so, i think so it good. would wouldn't you i mean if you're desperate to go to sleep for an interview the next day that that brings me on to the subject of he says Roz and I have got a very important interview tomorrow morning. Who goes to a joint interview? <laughs> is it is it because they're hiring talent and producer in kind of one thing? Is that what we're led to think it is? Well, if you were a radio station, wouldn't it be lucky if your new talent happened to come as a package with a producer? Because not many do. Yeah. Producers generally produce more than one show. Yeah, Talent yeah. I was gonna say that's, it's really show. weird that Ross is kind of singular in that in that instance. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure Ross. We, when we did this, when we we hit the end of season five, the whole of the station got sacked. Right, a music channel would still need producers and production team. So why did Ros lose her job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she also even points out, "I'm union." Remember in that the episode where he oh. says, "You're fired." I'm union, so she wouldn't be sacked straight away. He's not in the union. He would be. So. Let's get out of that. <laughs> let's let's, let's get out of that. Come on. Come on. What are you playing that, guys? Um, yeah, so Frazier's obviously late to the interview whilst Ross is trying to get him out of it by lying and saying his appendix burst, um, which I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but our beloved Key, his appendix burst um, when he was in at secondary school. Um, and did he, he have... did he mention this on the pod before? I think I he think may I... have. I yeah, think I, may think have. Heard, I think I've heard you two discuss this. Um, it wasn't like in uh, The Simpsons where they rip it out and it's like a grenade and they throw it and it explodes. Um, but I think it was pretty unpleasant, as, as I've heard from from several people. Um, we learn that Niles isn't being very proactive in searching for a new apartment. He's getting pretty cushy at the uh, at, at 1901, <laughs> which I think is, is going to be the territory. If you're staying in luxury with your brother and you're down and out at the moment, it's going to be hard we- to, to move <laughs> on. Said- you say he's getting cushy. He's also getting cushiony when he goes to the matinee when he takes his own seat cushion. <laughs> yeah, very good indeed. Right. To see to see what film? Oh God, what film is it? It's not Streetcar Named Desire or something like that. Is it's it? not. That's that's not a bad guess, but no, it's not that. I can't think of what he sees. It's three hour a three hour epic of World War Two. Schindler's List. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Schindler's <laughs> List. Well, that is an epic, and it's it's about the war, and I it think fits, it's about three, it, and a, three and a bit hours long. I think it is. I think it fits the bill. Um, Niles says how it's barely to- tolerable having a price range. Uh, you you <laughs> and me, you and me both, Niles. It sucks to have a price range, but there we are. Um, I, I, you know, we talked about this with the uh, with the questions. Can you genuinely buy wine from a supermarket? that requires you to age it yourself for two years before you open it? Like, is this a thing amongst kind of wine drinkers? I'd imagine if you went to Robert's Gourmet Goods, yes. Robert. However, I think for... Not now. I think for <laughs> us, no, you probably couldn't. Uh, on that subject, by the way, there is a guy that works behind me that is at, at work who absolutely loves Fraser, and his name happens to be Rob, uh, Robert, obviously. And every morning I walk past him and go, Robert, and he goes, not now. Literally every single day. Amazing. Um, and several times when he's gone, right, I'm going home. I've gone, by the way, when you leave, uh, there is a sign that says, please come again. Disregard it. <laughs> <laughs> what so, are the um, odds that there's another person at your at your place who loves the show as much as you do? Like, that's he, amazing. 
he is on Facebook. He does occasionally like the odd Frasier, uh, uh, the, the We're Listening Frasier podcast page stuff. So, Rob McCartney, if you are listening, I love you, man. Robert, Robert, he'll be singing. Robert. N- not now. Um, we, we love you, Rob. Sorry, that was a tangent. I don't know. Don't that's know a great tangent. <laughs> no, it's, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I hope you're listening, Rob. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the brilliant line now when they they are at the Shangri La, they're being shown around by Frank. Was it Frank? It, it's uh, yeah, uh, Michael yep. McShane, who yep. actually plays Franklin uh, Delamore, something else in Seinfeld as well. FDR, they call him yep. FDR. Yeah, I thought um, I'd seen him in Seinfeld. Uh, um, Niles refers to the the hot tub as the six man petri dish or petri dish, <laughs> which is absolutely superb. I do think that about hot tubs. I I mean. I'm probably just being weird for this, but I would never want to get in one at a spa resort that's got like several people in. Um, it always, I don't know why that, or when he says a, a six man petri dish, that always reminds me, I think it's an episode of Sex in the City where one of them comments on there's a load of women and a, a bloke in a hot tub or something like that. And she walks past and she says, Oh, look, tit soup. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that just came up. Someone correct me if that's not Sex in the City, but I'm sure it is. And uh, yeah, that, that, that petri dish um, just always makes me think of that tit soup. <laughs> soup um frazier's acting now i always find very hammy and i don't like it you know when he's at the door it's like oh niles it's magnificent and he's like he's wide-eyed his face his mouth's really wide i don't know even for frazier being kind of effeminate and melodramatic it seems a bit too hammy for me and i don't i don't love it well followers of our instagram page and probably it does go onto facebook i've actually just shared that exact clip of welcome to the shangri-la no way you'll see a lovely clip of Frasier's introducing of how marvellous it is. And if you look closely, you'll actually see David Hyde Pierce, how much his face changes and his eyes shift left to right, looking around like it is ghastly. What the hell have you brought me here for? Um, it's only a 15-second clip, but I just thought it'd be a bit fun to upload that while we're... Uh, well, I was actually waiting for you to come online to, to record this, in fact. No, excellent. <laughs> and yeah, and a, and a huge thank you for everything you do, Steve. Listeners, you you love interacting with, with the Instagram and, and the reels and, and stories and stuff. And, and that is all Steve. Um, Steve is, is our man with the, the phone. So he's just, yeah, he's killing it. It's been fun. Socials. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um. Yeah, so the, the great, great gag of the club sandwich now, uh, a slice left over for guests. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've had a club sandwich once or twice in my life. I think it's I'm, not something I'm particularly drawn to. I wonder, is it bigger in America, perhaps, than it is here? Um, I would imagine, and this is no disrespect to Americans, but I imagine it's bigger because everything over in America is bigger. Portions tend to be bigger. When when it's food related, um, a a lot of people might not know. uh, I'm actually going to see John, hopefully, in Boston next October for his wedding. And um, he's already warned me uh, to bring the lounge pants because I will probably gain weight because food is a bit richer and is a bit bigger over there. I think a lot of Americans, when they come over here, are probably surprised that a McDonald's would be a lot smaller here yes. um, than it is there. I mean, I've, I've seen, I think you've probably seen it uh, super size with more. I haven't, Spurlock. but I nearly, I nearly put it on about two weeks ago. Um, you need, you need to watch that. And um, what's the other one he did? He did that one. He did another one. Um, I can't remember, but Super Size Me is incredible to see. I'm sure things have probably changed since he made that, but how McDonald's affects him um, and how his doctor advises him certain things. Because every time someone says, do you want to supersize that? He has to say yes. 
and he has to try and eat it all and um he can't <laughs> i think i think he actually shows at one point like what a a small cup of drink is compared to their extra large or super size and it's the super size is like a liter and a half of coke or something like that it's just it, it's like drinking a, a full two liter bottle over here would just be you know you wouldn't want to do that in one sitting no um, no they are, i, I know, need to watch that i really do it's, it's fascinating um, absolutely we, fascinating. Don't, we don't have that over here do we we don't have a super size option well, we don't start at small, do we? If you go to a drive through at Dodge, which I actually did yesterday um, for about the second time in about, I don't know, a year probably. Uh, I was driving home and I had to go and pick my mum up because she was coming to dog sit here and um, for us to go out today. And I thought, I'm going past the drive through at Dodge, I'll go there. And as I said, oh, can I can have a quarter pounder with cheese meal. And straight away they say, is that the large? I said, no, just a regular. Regular is medium. Why would it be medium? You wouldn't. You, well, you don't start with a the small. They literally start you at regular, but they ask you straight away if you want to go large. And it's Weird. apparently, I think McDonald's is actually one of the best companies in the world for upgrading any um, anything they sell because they will always offer you, do you want to go large with that? Do you want extra fries? Do you want a larger drink? Do you want this? Do you want that? It's the best selling up company in the world because they will always add something onto a meal. No one else really? can do that. No one God. else can do that. Makes a lot of sense, <laughs> though. Yeah. Um, the amazing delivery of, are you sure that's not the guest room when the, <laughs> the ironing board comes down, is what prompted my, my question about ironing at the beginning. Um, it's just phenomenal. It's so good. That's that's genius level writing. It's delivered brilliantly from DHP. And I'm I'm not sure I trust that ironing board to, to kind of, I, I have to put a lot of weight down when I'm ironing my shirts to get the, the creases <laughs> out. That thing's going to get snapped off clean if you're putting even a bit of elbow grease in. I think it's probably quite common. I mean, if we've got listeners in New York, right in because New York is obviously known for having quite small apartments, and a lot of people I've looked on Instagram at several people that they they show you around like a literally I couldn't even think of what size it is tiny square footage apartment, and a lot of people like a little mezzanine floor. It's like living in a twelve foot by twelve foot room, and mm. they've got a kitchen area, and they've got everything folds out, pulls out the beds upstairs, on like a little tiny mezzanine thing. That yeah, hangs I've over. seen those, and I look at it and think that is incredible. Could I live like that for very long? Um, you know, it, and it, that's a New York lifestyle. And it, it fascinates me. I think it looks absolutely stunning to live in that way. Um, I'm not sure I could live like that. But at I some point, think, I, I think, think I could. some point, I think I kind of want to try. I want to go there just to see if I could live like that for a few months and see what it's like in, you know, really absorbing New York lifestyle by living in a tiny apartment just to live in the Big Apple. I think yeah. it'd be amazing. No, I um, completely agree. And I often get go down the wormhole of small apartments or cozy apartment tours on YouTube. And there's one I've just been put in mind of that I saw a couple of years ago and I was just procrastinating from doing any uni work <laughs> and was looking at it. And I'd love to go back and find it now. It was a really simply made vlog of someone who's just moved in, I think with their brother or their sister and a group of friends. But the apartment was just so cozy and it was set at Christmas time. So they had Christmas decorations up. And I just, I, for no reason whatsoever, I just, for nostalgia's sake, I'd love to find that video again because I just remember thinking, God, that's cozy and nice. And you see, uh, I quite like the idea of like the van life as well. I don't know if you've seen those. Oh, I love, I watch loads of van life stuff. See, I've been watching that more recently after, and listeners, I will admit that I admit to this Will, to Will last week after we came off air that I recently actually finished reading Travels with Charlie, um, which having heard that episode way back when him and Key uh, recorded it, I went, I really want to uh, well, read Travels with Charlie. And I never got really around to reading the full book. So I listened to it on audio via Spotify. It's fantastic. And it, again, it made me just think, could I turn my truck into that? Could I get the uh, the camping 
um, caravan conversion on the back, take my dog and literally just travel across England. Would it be possible? Yes, it would be possible. Have I got the time and the money? No, I haven't. I would <laughs> love I'm, to do that, though. Sadly, I'm not John Steinbeck and I cannot write about it, but one day I'd love to do it somehow. I don't know how, but I would love to. I really want to do, is it the NC500 in, around Scotland, the North Coast yeah. 500? Um, I have the truck. I just need the camping gear. And let's do it. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I think I'd, I'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. We should we should do that at some point. <laughs> we should do that, Steve. Um, the delivery of Niles. You are home. Oh well, where are my manners? Can I get you some toast? And they're just walking sinisterly off to the to the kitchenette to prepare us some toast. Um, when we see him next at the Shangri La, he's kind of halfway between regular Niles and Island Niles because he's got the the Hawaiian shirt on. Do you do you own or have ever owned a Hawaiian shirt, Steve? I used to, and you'll think this is funny. When I worked in Ipswich, I actually used to work for a surf shop. No way. Nowhere near anywhere surfing, but it it was kind of cutting edge in the fact that it sold. We we started off as a skate shop. I knew the guy around it. I started off working in the skate shop and selling BMXs and skateboards. And he decided he was going to branch out and try and get sort of surf gear like um, Rip Curl and uh, Mambo and all these sort of. And this was late nineties, so a lot of um, really cool brands at the time, and even like Oakley sunglasses and uh, yeah. Quicksilver and Roxy, which is the female version of Quicksilver. And they used to sell these really big, what they class as probably now Hawaiian Brian shirts, wasn't it? And they were all made by Mambo, so they were brilliant. And um, yeah, so I used to own a couple just because I worked in there. And it was it wasn't like uniform, but everyone used to just think, oh, that's a really garish shirt. I'm going to wear that Sunday at work. And it just became fun. Um, but yeah, some of the surf stuff was absolutely brilliant. But nowhere near anywhere you could surf, but everyone loved the clothing. It's just oh, I, love, I love that. Some that of looks- my life working in that shop was brilliant. Oh, man, I love that. I love your little anecdotes, Steve. <laughs> I often ask these silly questions in the hope that I'll uncurn, uncover some little kernel of past <laughs> experiences. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Niles breaks down now. He initially seems like he's going to have fun in the rumpus room. Uh, Jimbo is his partner for table tennis or ping pong. Uh, the, pink, the arcade machine or the pinball machine has been rigged. Um, he seems like he's having a great time, but he sits down. And once again, Martin reiterates his love for the place because of Duke staying there during his divorce. And Niles has a breakdown. He's like, get me out of this hellhole! Um, I'm almost almost pretty sure, would you feel the same if you were at Niles' kind of upper echelon of earnings and and class? And then someone says, oh yeah, my barmaid or my barman friend, he one that stayed here, you go, oh God. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be like, Jesus, get me out of here. I'm um, sorry. I was just I was just actually looking up because two episodes ago we had Rumpus Room mentioned, um, and that episode two episodes ago was written by Jordan Hawley and William Schifrin. Well, this one was actually written by da, 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 Laurie Kirkland. So they just really liked the word Rumpus Room. Obviously, um, I wanted to see if it was the same writer that just thought I'm mm. going to put Rumpus Room in this again, and it's not. It's two completely separate people. So it was just bouncing <laughs> around the writers' room at that time. It seems yes, very very popular. <laughs> My my kind of last note actually of this episode's review, as I said, it's it's been a pretty quick one this uh, this week. Um, is what a lovely touch that Fraser gives him the pen. You know, a bit of a housewarming gift. He kept the pen. It's just a nice gesture because he is slightly in the wrong for buying it back in the first place. So I like yeah. that he recognizes that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's a nice it's a nice something. I thought it was nice that. Martin pointed it out. Do you know what I mean, Fraser obviously saw the uh, opportunity there of, well, if Nas isn't going to have it, I could have that because I really yeah. like that. And Martin sort of said, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. 
And I, like yeah. you're right, it, you know, to say, why don't you sign it with this lovely pen that I've now bought and I've had a thought about it and I think actually you deserve it. You've not got anything else at the moment. Why don't you have this nice expensive pen? And I like actually, you know, going towards the end of the episode, I think it's quite nice that Niles has that little violin statue and he's, he's trying to put it somewhere and sort of make it his own. And you think, yeah, that is, I, <laughs> I'm going to sound like Martin here. I actually don't think the Shangri-La looks that bad. It looks perfectly okay to, it looks to be fun- in there it looks functional doesn't it yeah but at the same time niles is so used to the finer things in life like dinner at the cigar of Alon. Mm. it is a big step down isn't it when you've got the montana if you had to give up the montana for that i can understand completely where he's coming from oh yeah the montana's glorious <laughs> um top 10 steve is it in yours it's not which did almost surprise me because I think again watching it back here as I as I messaged you before we came on I was like this is actually a really really good episode a it lot is of fun. really good it is really and good. I'm not ashamed to say I went straight back on IMDb gave it a nine and actually I reckon that's top twenty for me easily top twenty I love that I love that it's not in my top ten a reminder that only one slot is left for my top ten um, I've picked nine already and the one that remains is my outright favourite episode of Frasier of all time my unimpeachable numero uno there is a bit of a kind of loose competition that I've, I've kind of established myself uh, if anyone can guess that just tell me what it is and then when we get to the episode I will reveal it uh, and those who have correctly guessed I'll try and arrange some small token of, 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 of congratulations um, but yeah, I've had a few people. I've had a few people suggest the episode they think it might be, including none other than Corey, our quizmaster, or one of our quizmasters. Uh, so we'll see when we get there. We could be one week away, or it could be a little bit further down the line. We'll see. Uh, actor Steve, I'm going to start this week, and I'm going to say I've gone for DHP. I've gone for Niles. I just think the the ironing board, guest room, the the can I get you some toast, the faux kind of ingratiation in, into life at the Shangri-La with Jimbo. There's a lot of great stuff going on here. He's just brilliant. I don't want to agree with you. I actually don't want to. I think listeners would like an argument here. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes we just both go, yeah, I really like that person as well. We both justify. And I think, do you know what? That makes for really boring listening sometimes. People must go, God, I just really wish one of them had turned around and say, shut up, that's wrong. You're completely You're wrong. wrong. However... For different reasons, I'm also going to pick DHP. I think he's hilarious in the spitting and the, you've been in there 20 minutes. No, I haven't. Now I have. Now I have. Um, I love the fact that he winds Fraser up with his bird noises and his breathing. And one of my favourite bits of that, other than the the, the reel I shared earlier on Instagram, I absolutely love the way he sits down in that chair and literally flicks it back and his feet just, just, fly up in the air exactly yeah. how martin would do it and i think it's almost an impersonation of john mahoney doing that um when he settles in at frazier's so for that reason i'm picking dhp not because of your reasons because i disagree with them <laughs> <laughs> uh candy burling i'm out on the ground does he have a fold away bed to the best of your knowledge steve i mean you may have spent the night in it we don't know that he has a fold away everything. He presses a button and the bed comes out and then the TV comes out at the bottom and the lamps come God. up the sides and they turn on and he presses a button, the fire lights, presses another bit of button and Mrs. Mrs. Burling walks in, the music starts playing 
and the, and the magic rest happens. is history. <laughs> the magic happens. <laughs> uh, I've even heard there's a recess in his kitchen counter from which a four-sliced toaster gently ascends when he presses the button as well. So he can make a club sandwich after passion with Mrs. Burling. Um, I'm <laughs> sure they, they work up quite a sweat. Uh, all the remains is to play Who's Crazy? Anyway, if we jump over to a listener mail this week, your word is immersing. I God, that could be absolutely anyone, couldn't it? it well, could. I can tell you, t- it's, it's not Daphne, I doubt, unless she immersed herself with the bovril. I mean, it's disgusting. It sounds smells putrid. No, it's supposed to smell like that. It's, it's English. Um, <laughs> I was trying to buy myself time there. I can't think of who said this. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's Niles. I'm immersing myself with the Shangri-La. I like it here or something like that, he says. You're close because it is about that. <laughs> and it is it's basically in delivery or response to that where Fraser says, um, uh, you know, do you not think you're immersing yourself like too much or too full on um in terms of the, the rumpus room antics? He says, uh yes, but I'm just concerned that you're immersing yourself in this lifestyle just to avoid feeling the pain you're going through. So there we go. Uh listen, Mal, shall we jump over? Uh, but just quickly before we go into listener mail, um, I want to say another thank you to Alistair Green, our dear friend, who has now posted out the first batch of the stickers. And those that follow us on Instagram at FraserPod will have noticed that Alistair actually went to Disneyland. Woo! And he's ta- he's supplied us with the first photo of a We're Listening sticker being held up in front of the Disneyland, what is it, Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if anyone didn't see that, I did put up as a story, but when we get more of a collection, I will put them all on there as uh, an album on the uh, the Facebook and the Instagram. Um, I can't wait to see where they end up. I know that a few people, uh, from what he said, all around the world, um, he had 50 to offer, and actually they went so quickly, he's actually ordered more. Um, so bear with, they will be posted that. And obviously it's now december there will be christmas postal delays i'm sure as people send cards and greetings and letters etc so bear with him but he is posting them out and i can't wait to see where they will go and again thank you alistair for your generosity kindness thinking of us and supplying these wonderful stickers which i can't wait to see all over the globe um so please do tag us at fraser pod or on we're listening um a fraser podcast on facebook and uh, let us know where you are and where the stickers have reached you i can't wait to see them but yeah let's get into listener mail yeah here here alistair you are a wonderful wonderful man listener mail awaits yeah go for it go for it Raz, who's our next caller so for listener mail this week uh lots of you well i've written it in very short uh a time frame because we put this out practically an hour before recording um we're a little pressed for time this evening so we're not, we might not be able to read everything out but we'll, we'll do our best to get to some of the good ones uh veronica says great episode i love nars living with fraser and how annoying he can be also loved his new character as a laid-back everyman which of course was only deceptive very true indeed uh, i've got weary sherry over on uh, instagram who says it is in my top 10 for sure the line niles you are home gets a laugh from me every time i rewatch Excellent. Uh, Karen Saxon says, I like this one. I do find it unrealistic, though, that Nas can't find anything better than the Shangri-La when he supposedly has a good paying job. I know that he has to pay his legal fees, but I feel like he had other options as well to get some more money to find a more in-between place. I absolutely agree. Uh, from Got Four Wheels, one of my favourite episodes, DHP at his finest. Frank deserved more lines, though, I, which did. I agree. He was a brilliant uh, little cameo guest actor. 
Love him. Uh, Hassan, who is our, a long-time listener and a very successful Midland, I don't know if he's Midlands-based, but a very successful comedian in his own right, um, says, my mum's favourite Fraser quote, Niles, you have three roofs over your head. <laughs> Superb. Uh, Ashley 2, I hope you're having some toast and a nice bottle of 93 Pesci Baron while recording. <laughs> ah. Uh, Rachel Warren says, I really appreciate the way this show really takes on the reality that separating oneself from a toxic relationship might mean uh, that your standard of living goes down, at least initially. Whilst the show satirizes this topic through Niles' naivety, there are people who feel trapped in bad relationships due to financial barriers. I'm glad that the show did not shy away from the gravity of that reality by just letting Niles move in with Frasier and continue living a life of luxury. This forces Niles to grow, and while it's a tough education, it's a worthy one. Uh, the last one over on Instagram is not sad panda it says love the Gary jokes did he leave a note vigorously shakes head no no note no note <laughs> he left a, he left a note but no address <laughs> no forwarding address <laughs> no forwarding address um, and last couple from Facebook Alistair Green our boy with the stickers says one of my all time favourites definitely a top 10 episode for me sound the alarms the way Frank takes so much pride in the apartment is hilarious uh, and the juxtaposition of Niles being so scared for his future in amongst great comedy is such beautiful writing. Uh, and finally, Michelle Wickoff says, the bedroom scene with Niles and Frazier gets me every time. It gets laughs from me no matter how many times I see it. It has to be one of my favourite scenes from the whole series. So thank you all so much. Keep those listener mail comments coming as we head into next week, which I think is The Seal Who Came to Dinner. Um, a phenomenal episode, um, and one I think we're both very excited to to get to. We, um, as as I mentioned to uh, John Beale earlier when I was talking to him quickly before we came on, uh, he his exact words were, "You are really getting to the meat of the uh, show now." I mean, season six is phenomenal. I mean, I, I think the next ten to twelve episodes are, for me, just some of the some of the absolute best. I mean, to have uh, a seat, yeah. To have a season like season six, which is like literally classic after classic almost. There's not a one-off and then three duds. This now ramps up very, very good. Season six is absolutely phenomenal to me. It really is. And then, to be fair, season seven is incredibly strong. I, I think season yeah. seven is my favourite season. Um, six, the next ten episodes are amazing, except for me, the show where Woody shows up Um I, I am. I enjoy I, it, but I'm a it's... bit of a, a Scrooge for the Cheers episodes. I must say, um, I actively try to avoid them. So, um, <laughs> that one will be interesting. Then. That one will be reviewed, but uh, it, you know, it might actually be a pleasant surprise. But yes, we will be back with that. Other than that, I've been Will, and I've been Steve, and thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 